Amen. Beautiful job. Beautiful job. Thank you so very much. Well, how's everybody doing this evening? Hey, like six of you answered. That's fantastic. I used to get like two, uh, but it is really good to see you. Thanks for being back in uh, church here tonight. It hasn't just been a wonderful day. Um, it really has. You know, I, I was blessed this morning uh, to be down in the Antioch class uh, with those great folks and then honestly just to sit in the service and see what God is actively doing here is incredible. Amen. And uh, God is at work here, and he always has been, and I'm so thankful uh, for that. Uh, throughout my uh, short years of uh, ministry now, there's a lot of folks that don't have a home church to go back to. And I'm so thankful every time we come home, there's a faithful church standing for Jesus and doing the right thing right here. And uh, so thank you so much. And Brother Keith and Miss Lane, we love you guys. You guys are awesome. Your hair is still great. <laughs> doing great there, Brother Keith. I don't know how you do it. Uh, I used to have a forehead. I've got a five head now. It's starting to make its way <laughs> back. Y'all pray for me. But uh, uh, we will preach eventually tonight. But it really is. It's just good to see you looking around to so many familiar faces and uh, truly as I look around and see so many people, um, so many of you are the reason I'm here doing what I'm doing here today. Uh, years ago, you took time for a young kid uh, who didn't care, it seems, that much about God. Uh, but I'll never forget, there's some men and their wives in this room invited me to visitation. I remember Brother Greg invited me to go on visitation. He offered me a Mountain Dew. And what else do you need? <laughs> it was a great bribe, and it worked. And uh, I've been hooked on Mountain Dew ever since. Not so much soul winning, but uh, Mountain Dew. And uh, no, uh, but so many wonderful people throughout all of time, just bus routes and children's church and Awana and so many things. Uh, just a blessing. And then there's John. Jarvis. Well, I want to sleep that alone. And uh, no, so many wonderful people. And it's just glad to be here. And one thing I can tell you, I don't know a lot, but I know this, it's a, it's a joy serving the Lord. It really is. A lot of struggles and problems in life, but God has always been good. And I pray tonight the message will be a help to you. Before we get too along, uh, far along here tonight, have you heard the story of Morris and his wife Esther? Have you heard that story? Well, let me, let me share it with you. Morris and his wife Esther went to the state fair every year. And every year Morris would say, Esther, I'd like to ride in that helicopter. Esther always replied, I know Morris, but the helicopter ride is $50 and $50 is $50. One year Esther and Morris went to the fair and Morris said, Esther, I'm 85 years old. If I don't ride that helicopter, I may never get another chance. So Esther replied, Morris, the helicopter is $50. $50 is $50. Well, who put that there? And the pilot overheard the couple and said, folks, I'll make you a deal. Uh, I'll take the both of you up for a ride. If you can stay quiet for the entire ride and not say a word, I won't charge you. But if you say one word, I'll charge you $50. Morris and Esther agreed and uh, they went up. The pilot did all kinds of fancy maneuvers, but not a word was heard. He did his daredevil tricks over and over again, but still... No word. When they landed, the pilot turned to Morris and said, by golly, I, I did everything I could to get you to yell out, but you didn't. I'm so impressed. Morris replied, well, to tell you the truth, I almost said something when Esther fell out, but you know, $50 is $50. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Esther. Never had a chance. Sarah, <laughs> what's that have to do with the sermon? Actually, nothing. I just laughed. I thought it was funny. So, Oh, my goodness. That's so funny. You know, next to, uh, there's a lot of popular books in this world, obviously the Bible being number one, 
But there's another book that is probably very popular and uh, many cultures uh, un- understand it, and that is the Guinness Book of World Records. Now, the Guinness Book of World Records contains some of the most interesting and odd feats of mankind. One of those was done in 1987 as a man uh, created or desired to create not only the longest movie script ever created, but also the longest movie. Now, this movie actually never made it past the art school or the uh, studio, whatever that's called there in Chicago. But imagine this. The script was 4,000 pages long. It set a record for an 85-plus-hour-long movie. Anybody want to go see that? That would be terrible. That'd be terrible. Oh my goodness. It almost would be sometimes when sermons get long, you're not sure if it's good preaching or a hostage situation. You don't know really what's going on there. It might feel like that in that, in that moment. Now, whether again, you, you like shows or movies or books or blogs or blueprints, there is something unique truly about a script. You see, the script's purpose is not merely words and places, but a script is really all about people. You see, throughout the novel or a show, the script is to guide a character's development. It demonstrates their weaknesses and their strengths and determines whether and where they go in that story. Now, have you ever stopped for just a moment and considered or looked at your life as if your life was a script? You know, as a dad, I oftentimes think uh, I know what the script of my kid's life will be like only to find it's not quite the way I thought it would go. There's many times in my life, as I look back over my life, I thought I knew where the script of the story of Eric Faust would go, only to find that it didn't quite go the way that I thought it would go. And so here tonight, we're going to turn our scripture to Psalm 84. And Psalm 84 is an interesting script, Not so much for one generation, but really for three, maybe even four generations down the road. And so we'll read the the entire script, or the entire psalm here tonight. We'll, We'll start off on verse number one of Psalm 84. The Bible says, How amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts! My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. Yea, the sparrow hath found a house, and to swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young, even thine altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are they that dwell in thy house, and they will still be praising thee, Selah. Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, and whose heart are in the ways of them, who passing through the valley of Baca, make it a well. The rain also filleth the pools. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appeareth before God. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer and give ear, O God of Jacob, Selah. Behold, O God, our shield, and look upon the face of thine anointed. For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. And no good thing will be withheld from them that walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusteth in thee. You're in the habit of taking notes. I've entitled our lesson tonight very simply, The Story Isn't Over. The Story Isn't Over. Let's pray. Father, we love you tonight. 
Father, we turn our attention, Father, to a beautiful psalm that, Father, has so much context and so much weight. And God, it is so helpful. Lord, it has helped us in recent days, and God, I pray it'd be a help and a blessing to so many here tonight. Thank you, Lord, for our church. And Father, again, we come not to hear from me. I'm just a sinner saved by your wonderful grace. But Lord, we come to hear the truth of, of your Bible. And God, I ask you, God, that you would please illuminate it in the hearts of your people tonight. May, Father, your Holy Spirit take the light of truth and shine it in those areas of our heart and life that, God, we need you more in. Father, I pray tonight we'd leave and say it's been a good Lord's Day and excited to go into the week to tell others about you. Thank you, Lord, again for this privilege here tonight. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 84, again, is a very interesting psalm, but before we understand Psalm 84, we're going to back up here for just a moment to understand why this psalm is, is so very important. Approximately 587 years before Christ was born of the Virgin Mary, the barbaric, the barbaric Babylonian military swarmed into Jerusalem like the hungry summer locust. We read the account in 2 Kings 25 of how they destroyed how they devoured, and how they deported the people of God out of their country. If you would, the Babylonian military campaign was much like that of General Sherman during the Civil War, as he went through the South and plundered and burned anything and anyone in his path. If you're taking notes tonight, feel free to jot down 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 25, and verse 9, and verse 10. Let me give you a little bit of the, the backstory. And he, King Nebuchadnezzar, burnt the house of the Lord and the king's house and all the houses of Jerusalem. And every great man's house burnt he with fire. And all the army of the Chaldees that were there with the captain of the guard break down the walls of Jerusalem round about. And again, as you continue to read through 2 Kings 25, we see that the Babylonians not only burned the houses and burned the house of God, they then took the priests and the other leaders, brought them in before the king, and slaughtered them in his presence. What a dreadful day it was there in 2 Kings 25. But as you read about this dreadful day, you will come to understand that many of the captives that were taken away in that captivity were the sons and the daughters and the grandchildren and great-grandchildren of those priests and of those leaders. Hey, and this is where Psalm 84 begins to play a little bit more of a role. If you notice there in Psalm 84, under the heading, the Bible says to, well, the, in the little heading there, it says to the chief musician upon uh, Githith. By the way, when we get to heaven, I hope we can like, pronounce all these names in the Bible. I understood. I said, Brother Keith, Lord help Brother Keith this morning. He got Shuham and Mushmu and all these, all these names in the Bible. I think God laughs every, every time we try to read that. He's like, <laughs> that's why I put it in there. <laughs> anyway. He said a psalm, sorry, for the sons of squirrel moment. I, I do chase squirrels, so y'all pray for me. They start to invade a little bit every once in a while. That's why I got to stick right here at my notes. But anyway, in verse Psalm 84, again, it says it's a psalm for the sons of Korah. That word for is also the word from. So I want us to begin to think here for just a second why this is important. Now, here's some other back notes just to help us understand, then we're going to pull it all together. We read in 1 Chronicles chapter 9 and verse 19 a little, about, a little bit about who the sons of Korah and who Korah was all about. In 1 Chronicles chapter 9, I won't read it for time's sake, we do come to realize that he is, uh, he is a cousin to Moses. 
And the, and the, the sons of Korah and the descendants of Korah were given that special responsibility and privilege, particularly to watch the door of the temple. They also had many other priestly duties, but we do find their main job was to watch the door of the church, if you would. And so as Psalm 84 is opening up, this is that generation who had been watching the gate of the city, most likely during the time of the Babylonian invasion. And so if you would, maybe their daddy, their granddaddy, their great-granddaddy was there watching the gate, and these are the grandkids who are now writing and singing this psalm. So why don't you imagine me for just a moment the scene. It's a day like any other day there in the nation of Israel. The families wake as they do every morning, and they put on their priestly attire and make their way down to the temple. Knowing that the threat of invasion was possible, there was a heightened awareness that day as they prepared to welcome people to the temple. But in just a few moments, all of that changed. The massive gates of Jerusalem fell as the Babylonians entered into the city. Before long, the family of the gatekeepers would have watched their fathers and grandfathers being drugged off and murdered in the presence of the king. And if you can imagine me for just a moment, I may in my, in my imagination may hear one of these kids of, of that temple priest or those people watching the gate saying this, this isn't fair. God, this isn't what I signed up for. What are they doing with my dad? Where are they taking? Why are they taking us out of this city? Why is everything changing? You know, their script changed. Now I have up here, this is the story of my life. It's kind of short. <laughs> There's a lot of coloring pages, all right? And, uh, but all of us start out with a script, do we not? Even looking across this great auditorium here, so many folks, you have uh, been where I was at. You had that childhood moment. Man, your childhood was everything you hoped it would, would be, or it was everything you wish it wouldn't be. For some of you, you look back over the story of your life, and you got into your teen years, and you're hoping to make those teams, or get those grades, or get that GPS, or GPS. <laughs> What's the thing called? GPA. Whoa, don't get old, guys. And... Uh, Man, GPS, how about that? Huh, I'll be. Hmm. Not going to write that down. <laughs> but you get in these different seasons of life and things don't go the way you think they will. You meet a girl, you meet a guy, and you think, oh, this is the love of my life for life. You get off into the college years, and uh, where we're at, we spend so much time with uh, college students, and they got all these dreams and all these ambitions and all these goals, and it's as if they are plotting the script of their life Forever. They get out of college and then they enter into their career stage and they start a career maybe they had hoped and prayed would be the best career that they could do for the rest of their life. Maybe they had a desire to get married, have kids. And the list goes on and on and on. And I say all of that because of this. Those children in Jerusalem had a script for what they thought life was going to be. And this is what began to happen in their teenage years, or maybe they got married, and man, it didn't quite go the way they thought it would go, and their script begins to tear a little bit. Maybe they, in their teen years, some things happened that, that they really didn't plan for and really didn't hope would happen. Maybe their parents split up or something bad happened, and the script of their life began to just begin to shred a little bit more. 
Maybe they got off into their career and, and they find out that the workforce is so much harder or whatever, and all of a sudden it begins to rip even further. Maybe they have kids and the kids run from God, or maybe a kid doesn't, or a child doesn't make it into this world, and all of a sudden the script of your life just becomes torn. You have a heart and desire that you and your spouse will live together all the days of your life and you better retire together. But all of a sudden something happens, death, disease, something happens and the script all of a sudden begins to tear. And all of a sudden all the plans and all the ambitions and all the goals of your life seem nothing more than a wrecked mess. Anybody else been there? Anybody else look back over your life and say, God, what is happening here? God, why is this going on? God, why did this happen? God, why did you allow this? God, why didn't you stand in the gap here? God, God, where were you at in all of this? By the way, I've come to find out, and it ain't the whole message, but it's true. God hadn't moved at all. Hadn't moved at all. And I'm telling you here tonight, all of us are at stages in different places in our life where the script of our life, the story of our life hasn't gone the way we thought it would. The situations, the relationships. And there those children in Israel screamed out, this isn't what I planned. And they thought, oh God, I guess you're just done with me. And that's why Psalm 84 is so important. You see, for many here this morning, I may understand, again, let me say this, just because your script has been ripped up that your story isn't over. <laughs> Your life may not have gone the way you thought it is. It may not be the plan you thought God had for you or what you wanted to do. But can I say, just because it's got some tears, just because it's missing some pages, just because it ain't as nice as you thought it would be, doesn't mean God quit on you. Doesn't mean God's not done with you. Doesn't mean God's not working through the tear of the script of your life. Maybe you sit here in church tonight and you say, Eric, my script is torn. My pages are missing. For some, you feel maybe your entire life has been turned upside down. But that's why I love Psalm 84, because Psalm 84 declares to people like you and people like me that our story isn't over yet, because our God is not done yet. See, Psalm 84 could very well be the child of the priest that was slain by the Babylonians and is now somewhere around 70, maybe 80 years old. And if you would, Psalm 84 is the song of praise that is being sung as Ezra is leading the captives back from Jerusalem as Nehemiah is preparing to build the walls. So the question is, how can I see God rewrite my story? If my story feels like it's been shattered, like these children in this text or throughout the whole text, how can God make something out of what seems like nothing? Three quick things here tonight. From our text, I pray it'll be a help to us. Number one is this. How can I see God rewrite my story? Number one, it begins with a present existence. We notice there in our text in Psalm 84, from verse 1 to verse 5, the Bible says, How amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts. My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. Why? They hadn't been there in years and years. My heart and my flesh crieth out, for the living God. Yea, the sparrow hath found a house, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. Even thine altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are they that dwell in thy house, and they will still be praising thee. Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, and whose heart are in the ways of them. 
You see, if you and I are to let God rewrite the parts of our story, maybe that we didn't expect or didn't want, it begins with a desire to be where God is. You see, verse 1 to verse number 3 is all about these children's desire as they're making their way back from Babylon to be where God is. Before Christ came to this world, the tabernacle and the temple were those physical representations of where God would dwell with his people. And now the sons of Sorah, sons of Korah, sang with power as they declared their desire to be where God was. Where had God been? Back in Jerusalem. Where were they heading? Back to Jerusalem. They wanted to be where God is. You see, for years now, they had grown up in Babylonian captivity. They had experienced all that Babylon had. And at the end of the day, they wanted to go where God was. You know what I love about coming to church, especially here this morning? I knew God was here today. Isn't it a blessing to be where God is? <laughs> There's a lot of churches. I've been blessed now to travel the world in different parts of America. I've been in a lot of churches. I don't think God even knows they exist. <laughs> And I say that not to uh, even put them down, but what I'm saying this is that there's a blessing about a church that has the hand of God upon it, that the hand of God is working. It's a joy to come to church because it's a desire to be where God is. Number two, we see in verse four and five, it's a desire then to be with God. Now the word dwell, if you're in the habit of marking things in, in your Bible, I encourage you there in verse number four, it's to circle the word dwell. That word dwell is very interesting. The word dwell, again, carries this idea of pull up a chair and sit down. You see, when they were going to the house of God, they weren't just coming to hang out for a little bit. He said, hey, pull up a chair because God wants to spend time with you. I mean, ain't that awesome? You, you start studying, looking at all the cultures, all the religions of the world, and God keeps at a hand's distance, but our Savior says, you come right in, I love you, I will hug you, I will be your friend. What a God we serve. You see, your story, Eric, my story is all messed up. What, it begins with a present existence. Are you going where God is? Do you desire to be with God? One of the things I always love about coming home, first off, is the food. I mean, who would agree Skyline is going to be in heaven? Anybody? <laughs> That's manna. <laughs> Whew. Now, anybody, anybody a gold star person in here? Good thing it's dark. I can't see your hands. Good. Um, no, just kidding. <laughs> but I tell people all around the country, ooh, I see, I see that little hand over there. All right, gold star man, all right. Uh, I always ask folks, and I was over in uh, Europe just a few years ago, and I'm trying to explain to them skyline chili. They didn't understand it. I said, well, just read in the Old Testament about, about manna, and you'll get it. <laughs> and, uh, you know. They didn't find it as funny as I did. But anyway, I say all that to say I love coming home for a lot of reasons, always family. But one particular one I always love stopping by is my great-grandma's house. Now, I think there's a lot of great-grandmas in here who probably have the same story. When your grandkids or great-grandkids show up, what do you tell them to do? Sit down. <laughs> Why? They don't want you to leave. I want to talk to you. You see, and what the, these children wanted when they went back to the house of God to rebuild the house of God, they just simply had a desire to be with God because God wanted to be with them. What a blessing. God, you say, Eric, I want my story to be rewritten. Well, it begins with the present existence. There must be a desire to be where God is. There must be a desire, number two, to be with God. Secondly, here tonight, it continues with an evaluation of our past. And verse six is very interesting. 
Again, if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, I like to study and ask a lot of questions. And uh, when you find, uh, ask questions, it helps you find answers. Verse 6, who passing through the valley of Baca, make it a well. The rain also filleth the pools. Now again, we're talking really about this younger generation that's coming back and they are now older. And a couple words I'd like for you to consider tonight. Number one is the word Baca here. It's very interesting in our Bible. The translation would, would give us this idea to weep. It is believed that when the Babylonians carried the Jews into captivity, that one of the valleys uh, that they took the children or the, the people of God through, it was a trade and merchant route called the Valley of Baca. Other places it's referred to as the Valley of Weeping Trees. It is mentioned in 2 Samuel chapter number 5. You see, in this valley, there was what was called balsam trees. And they would release their sap and their resin, and it would look like the tears were, would run down the bark and the leaves. And the valley was really a pretty sorrowful place during the heat of the day. The sand dried earth all around you, the burning sun upon you, and the weeping trees all around you. Sounds like a great uh, vacation destination, does it not? But what the blessing is, not in the morning. You see, as you would go to that valley in the morning, the nighttime dew would fall in the valley. And because of the dew at night in the morning, it looked completely different. They would say in our history books that as you would pass through that valley, you would awaken in the morning to small pools of standing water in low places. The dead trees would spring to life, and the valley of sorrow would quickly turn into a valley of splendor. It's amazing when you begin to think about the picture and you begin to think about what is happening here. Again, amazing, what is incredible is that the children who were forced to walk this way before as captives are now returning, most likely, back through the same route, not with fear or with failure, but with conquering faith. You imagine maybe as a boy or a little girl, you're walking through this valley and you're going through all your emotions are so raw. What just happened back home? Man, what a dead looking place. And now, 70 plus years later, you're walking back through the same valley with a different mindset. You're not afraid anymore. You're not scared anymore because God is leading you back the same way but with a greater purpose. You see, the phrase makes it a, make it a well in verse 6 is really incredible. <laughs> they literally built a well there. So that anyone who had to pass that way could survive. <laughs> See, a well is a place to draw from. They learned the first time how they felt like there was no hope in life. So they built a well so that they and those who coming through for generations to come wouldn't have to face the same struggle they did. You know what I'm realizing in my short life is sometimes God is rewriting my story so I can be a better man of faith to my wife and my kids. And I need to be okay with that. I need to be okay with God building the wells. I need to be okay with going through the valleys of Baca because whether you're on one side or the other, God is the one leading you through it. Whew. Having God rewrite our story oftentimes continues with us having a real heart-to-heart -heart with God about our past. I wonder if in this group of people, as they were making their way back to Jerusalem, I wonder if one of them said, I built that well. <laughs> I built that well when I was just a boy. You know, yes, the past explains how you got here, but realize God 
has a pen in hand rewriting your ending. You know, one of the greatest struggles I had as a kid was reading. Anybody here, you love to read? Any avid readers? Very good. Very good. I'm not one. I'm still working on that. And, um, but my parents got me into a great Christian series, Goosebumps. And uh, right. <laughs> it was a thriller, probably from the book of Leviticus. <laughs> Numbers was a little sketchy. But uh, we got into these books. Why am I telling you this story? There, there is a point. Oh, yes. <laughs> Dangerous. That's why you type notes. Just saying. Around book number 48, they had a new challenge called Create Your Own Ending. Now, does that bother anybody else? It bothers me. I know my, my oldest loves to read, and, she, and her and I are the same way. Just tell me what, what the end is. <laughs> Instead of choosing what path do you want this story to end. I say all that uh, being silly, but can I say this? God still has his pen in hand fulfilling and finishing your story. Your story isn't over. You see, these children, when they were taken from captivity and now being marched to the Valley of Baca, they probably never thought they'd ever see this place again. And yet now here they are walking away from Babylon back to God. Oh, let me just say this because this is just really cool. By the way, isn't it amazing that the balsam tree there in the valley uh, is used for medicine? If you would, it heals the hurt. And it's interesting that our God is called the balm of Gilead. Why? Because he heals the hearts. <laughs> Come on. That'll preach. Brother Keith preached on that sometime. That'll be good. I'll have a good title for you, too. I'll work on that. Hey, I just got to say this for a Isn't Brother Keith doing a great job? Praise God. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. Amen. Number two. Eric, how do I rewrite, how does God rewrite my story? Number two, it continues with an evaluation of your past. It's amazing as they're walking through this valley, they're remembering what they went through, but they're not going where they used to go, they're going back home, number three. And it concludes with the expectation to continue. You see, this once child, now adult, writing and pinning this psalm, is writing and singing this on their way back to rebuild the temple. You can read a lot about this, this, even this particular psalm in the book of Ezra. The blessing is no tear in my script or ripped out page is going to keep me from getting back to serving and singing for my king. You see, the sons of Korah got right back to work, helping rebuild the temple, and they took their place back as the doorkeepers of the house of God. Why? Because God wants to rewrite your story. You see, you and I live in a time and a day, and we are people just like these people were back in those days. We have set out on a course for life. I'm 39 years old, going on 70, it feels like. We have all kinds of ideas. What I am finding in my life is that the script hasn't really gone the way I thought it would be. I could share many stories and go on and on and on about different things, but I'd rather not focus on the negative. I'd just rather focus at this, that no matter what has happened in our life, our God has always taken the script of my life, and he made it so much better than I thought it ever would be. Ever would be. I could tell, man, I could just tell you story after story. But I simply tell you here tonight, no matter where you're at, what you are facing, what life has or has not handed you, your story isn't over. Your story isn't done. God 
plan for you. And here tonight, you may not even know the Lord as your Savior, and can I say, let him take control of your story. It's the best you'll ever be. It's the most amazing journey. I look back now for myself of nearly 20 years of, of ministry. Got saved in October 9th of 1999, and it's been a journey. I would have never thought this, this young kid was such a bad stutter. I'd never be able to stand and open the Word of God. See God do things here around the world like I've been. I'm a blessed man. I've seen so much. I simply tell you that no matter what's happening, God is good and he will write your story. So here tonight, let God write it. Amen. Father, I love you. Lord, we come to you tonight humbly. Father, like the sons of Korah, Lord, who didn't, didn't understand why their dad, their granddaddy, was being taken away by the Babylonians to be murdered. Lord, they were dragged off into captivity. And God, it seemed like their story was over. God, Psalm 84 is so amazing because it's God rewriting their story. It's those children coming back to Jerusalem, waiting, longing to be with you, to be where you are. God, they stop along the way, and Lord, they look at the well. Maybe they pass through that valley in the morning, and the valley of once of sorrow has now turned to joy. And God, their desire was when they got back that they would just continue doing, God, what you called them to. And Father, as our story, Lord, oftentimes maybe feels like it's being rewritten, Oh, God, may we just simply submit to your pen. And may, God, we allow your spirit, God, to move into changes. Lord, I pray we'd submit to you. We'd love you. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for passing through the valley of Baca. Lord, we can make it well. I love you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.